1: Welcome to Heritage Radio Network on Tour. I'm Kat Johnson here with Katie Mosin-Wadler. Hello, Katie. Hey, Kat. Happy um, Friday. Happy Friday. Uh, it's a summer Friday because we're not in the office. We've been in North Carolina for the past few days. It's a tough life. Someone's got to do it. Exactly. We're, we're up for the challenge. And so we've been at the International Symposium on Bread here in Charlotte for the past couple of days. And we're heading to the airport in just a few minutes. But we had to make a final stop. And that final stop is at one of our favorite places in the world honestly true yafo kitchen in charlotte north carolina and this is the third location you may have or you may remember our interview two years ago with chef shai Farjian at the first location of yafo kitchen and we're here two years later at the third um now open so welcome to shai Farjian, and thank you for having us for lunch today
2: Thanks for uh, being here, and hopefully I can make your Friday a little easier.
3: You made our Friday. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we were a little worried that we might not have eaten all the things in Charlotte yet. So um, we can leave confidently saying there's definitely no more room to eat any more anything in Charlotte today. No, you
2: definitely ate all the food in IAFo. I think. Yes, (laughs) I think we did. (laughs) But we We shared, and it was was a very... um, you know, we broke bread, as they say.
3: Yes. Can you can you give maybe a quick overview? I mean, I counted at least thirty plates on our table, but uh, maybe a snapshot of what we ate for lunch.
2: Um, the m- we literally ate probably ninety percent of the menu. <laughs> um, Look, I will the I heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh Go big or go home, uh, but. I'll highlight the new dishes that you've had here for the first time today versus last time is we had our um, organic uh, carrots, uh, pickled carrots and celery. We had our Amba chicken salad, stuffed avocado bowl. Uh, We had our chicken schnitzel, who I really like. It's kind of one of our latest additions. Our um, summer squash and black lentil and beluga lentil salad. Hummus. I can. I, I'm gonna take all the time if we, if, I, if I had to name everything that we've had. And right then now. just
3: imagine like 30 more delicious dishes and sauces and pita and dessert. We didn't even get to dessert. We had. Oh yeah, we had yeah, uh, Turkish coffee brown,
2: brownies. Uh, we had a Middle Eastern seven-layer bar and Nutella and bilona chocolate truffles. Yeah,
1: we also had some really great uh, drinks that you have available here that you make in house. Can you tell us about the different flavors that you have and then the Hot tip you gave us on how to make a combo drink.
2: Yeah, so all of our drink would have been much better if we had alcohol here. <laughs> <but> <laughs> we only serve beer and wine, so we cannot do that. But uh, we have our um, cucumber lime mint juice, which is our first one that we've made at Yafo. Uh, we go through 40 pounds of cucumber every day just for that juice in wow. each store. Um, the second one we had was the uh, coconut limeade which is almost like a virgin pina colada, I could say. Um, And then we have two of them that are technically teas um, or infusions, uh, where we take dried fruits and uh, steep them in water. So we have our love potion. It's uh, cranberries, hibiscus, uh, a little bit of coconut. Uh, And then we have our call-me-big-papaya that has uh, papaya, kiwi, (laughs) uh, mango, passion fruit. So, and then... We also have organic teas. But the combo, the combo. Oh, the combo. Sorry. So um, this is something that I've actually learned from one of our general managers because we were talking about how we can mix it with other things. He's like, oh, you don't need the alcohol. Just mix the love potion and the ginger ale. And that kind of gives it a really added sweetness and the uh, carbonation.
3: We'll vouch for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so in you've expanded in three locations within the past year and a half, two years?
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, in the last one year, so we went two years from number one to number two, and then four months from number two to number three.
1: So can you talk a little bit to us about you and your partners, what you're thinking about when you're deciding when and where to open another location, and why you think it's better to grow slowly than to just try to, you know, blow up with a bunch of franchises of Yafo?
2: Well, the biggest part is that we're very food-centric. Um, We pay a lot of attention Uh, Everything is is made in-house And we can't just send somebody the recipe and let them have it Uh, You know, we have our hummus recipe on the wall In one of the restaurants And people are like, oh, this is your biggest item How do you give the recipe to everyone? And I said, you know, it takes two days to make our hummus and even for us it 's really hard to create consistency in that production. I only have two people in each restaurant that make hummus, and we the chef tastes it every time they make it. So if you want to make it at home, go ahead right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good but luck. i 'm not telling you it 's going to taste the same i mean here 's the recipe, but it 's not going to taste the same mm-hmm. So for us we, because we 're so food centric um, and we 're trying to make sure we find the right people people that I can trust with our food people that have worked with us for a while either we promote from within um, two of our three chefs that are with us or people that were cooks for us before that Um, and either that or people that were chefs for us in the past for my partner at one of his other restaurants Um, so we really can't just tell you this is Yafo here's the recipe here's the manual go do it there's a big food part to it and there's just as equal a big hospitality part to it Um, we don't want to we want you to feel rushed going through the line. and We want you to get almost like a full-service experience in a fast-casual setting. So we spend a lot of time training our front-of-house staff as well. And in most fast-casual restaurants, you don't even have a differentiation between front-of-house and back-of-house. the you No, know, We have a general manager in each restaurant, an assistant general manager, a chef, and a sous-chef which is the same as any full-service restaurant you'd go. But if you'd go to a Chipotle or any fast-casual restaurant, you have a kitchen manager and a manager. Um, So we can't, like I said, we can't just blow up and do a bunch of yaffos. We want to really make sure that we stay consistent and keep the quality where we want it to be. Mm -hmm.
3: Can you talk about your feelings sort of as an executive chef at a fast-casual restaurant but one that is taking food very seriously how has your sort of self-perception evolved over the last three years of yafo uh
2: it was hard at the beginning you got i met you got you guys uh like two and a half years ago mm-hmm. um and at first uh, when i opened when we opened yafo i was almost ashamed to be like a fast casual chef i was uh, i'm a chef i'm not gonna make falafel and hummus and street food um but as we grew as a concept, and we can talk more about where we took the food in the last three years, but as we grew in a concept and the support that I got from Frank, our partner, and the type of ingredients that we use and the type of uh, attention we paid to the food, I really don't think that we uh, fall behind any full-service restaurant in our town or anywhere that I've been. So going from a place in the past where I was like, yeah, I make falafel and hummus to I'm able to say now that I'm very proud of the food that our teams produce and using Springer Mountain chicken for a chicken, using certified Angus beef for our beef, using local organic produce uh, in mass quantities. We're going into summer now. We're going to get tomatoes. Um, when we go to farmers and say, hey, um, if I had a, you know, a chef restaurant with 40 seats, I could probably get a... Get it done with 100 pounds of tomatoes a week, mm-hmm. uh, which is very accommodating for a local farmer. But when I go to a local farmer, I'm, when he asks me how much tomatoes I need, I need 2,400 pounds a week. So it was a big, uh, it was a big process for us to work with our vendors and adjust our supply manager to be able to bring that kind of local and organic ingredients to a wide distribution in three restaurants. Mm-hmm
3: talk about other changes to the menu because you had to sort of carve out a niche here in Charlotte and um, talk about the reception of the food and kind of what people were expecting and maybe what how that might have changed from then until now
2: so when we opened the three years ago we were new to the market but also this type of food was pretty much new to people in Charlotte uh, charlotte as a city and as a food scene has grown a lot in the last five years um and we've got nothing but love from the people of charlotte and i'm very very grateful for that we when we opened people would ask me oh what's that falafel thing and i just have to explain to them like falafel is no different than a hush puppy it's a fritter and we cook it in oil but it's made with organic chickpeas and herbs um so, when we started, we were kind of at the point where we had to introduce Mediterranean and Middle Eastern cuisine to the people of Charlotte. Three years in we 've kind of feel like that our base guests has educated themselves uh, partially with our help, partially with the growth of the city um, and they 're much more open for more adventurous food right now and Um, I don't have to explain to everyone what falafel is anymore, and I don't have to explain to them what shawarma is anymore. And we used to have those dishes that we would call uh, a gateway drug, our Greek yogurt mac and cheese, or our Brussels sprouts. Um, The the
3: mac and cheese (laughs) is a drug. I'm not sure I would call it a (laughs) gateway drug, but I am definitely uh, addicted
2: to it. Thank you. But when we bring someone through the door, and, you know, they're not used, you know, we're in the South, so they eat mac and cheese. But... And then maybe next time they're going to try the potatoes. And then maybe next time they're going to try the falafel. Maybe then they're going to try the kofta. Um, so it's something that helped us bring. And now I don't feel like I have to tell them, oh, it's your first time. Try the mac and cheese. I'm like, oh, it's your first time or it's your third time. Go for the red soup. You know, it's, it's we talked about it earlier. It's the more comfortable your guests feel with you. And like I said on the hospitality piece, we call them guests. We don't say customers. Um, we're, uh, We're in the hospitality industry, not in the restaurant industry. And we want people to feel when they come in here that they're like a guest in my house. So same attention I pay to the food, I would pay to the way we treat them. And when we give them recommendations, it took us a long time to educate our guests and to educate our staff to make the right recommendations. And at this point, three years in, I'm very confident that... And what it allowed us to do is to put more dishes that are more progressive in that cuisine on the menu, like Amba chicken salad, Mm -hmm. like schnitzel, like grape leaves or stuffed cabbage in the winter. Um, Things that may have not worked. Or it's summer now. Once we get tomatoes, we're going to start doing shakshuka. Um, I don't know if three years ago I could have done shakshuka. Now I'm sure we're going to sell a lot of it.
3: Yeah. And uh, so you have... A huge array of components also because people can come in and they can make a bowl um, yes. but you've got tons of sauces tons of condiments tons of like other kind of mezze. and how has that sort of evolved with the guests coming in and what they kind of know to ask for or how do mm-hmm. they know how to order like a bowl that's gonna work yeah. for them
2: so it's hard. The first comment, the biggest comment that we get from our guests is that it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people come in here and you'll know their first timers if they kind of take three steps back from the line and look at the menu board and like stare at it for uh-huh. a good two minutes. <laughs> and we taught our staff to or our team members, when you see that and it's very noticeable, um, you can see it right over there right now. <laughs> You're like oh, yeah. standing there and they're like, oh, what's that? um so we taught them to go to these people and say hey is this your first time what do you like to eat what it's something that's lost in a fast casual and we're trying to create it Mm -hmm. because if you go to an authentic or um to you know an ethnic restaurant you'll have a server and you'll ask them questions it doesn't work like that here but we're trying to create that experience regardless um so with, our, with, with those people, and it puts on, on, on us pressure on the food part as well because people might make combinations that are not good. Mm-hmm. So we have kind of um, on the menu, we have uh, signature items or signature bowls, which are flavor combinations. If this your first time and you want to order chicken shawarma, I'm going to tell you what goes in with the chicken shawarma that's going to be good for you. Mm-hmm. And then as you go through the line and you want to add more things, great. Um, and then next time you can probably build your own bowl. But also because people mostly, probably 90% of our of our guests build their own bowls, it puts more pressure on the food to be really good individually because I don't know what's going to go in their bowl. So everything has to be good at the same time, and everything has to work with one another at the same time. Mm-hmm.
3: So I want to see inside your brain and uh, understand what you're doing now on a day-to-day basis because you're a partner in... a a lot of different restaurant locations and you've got three Yafo kitchens you have to think about the kitchen operations, you have to think about the menu you also uh, have a degree in logistics yes, and supply
2: chain management yeah,
3: uh, yeah supply chain <laughs> management and so you're thinking about that, you're thinking about seasonality and working with local farmers and working with distributors and managing all these 10 million mm-hmm. things so what is a, a day in the life of Shai's brain mm-hmm. right now?
2: So, I got a two-month-old baby. <laughs> Brains? Uh, so, my brain is fried, and I learned that I perform decently w- uh, with insomnia. <laughs> um, but, no, so my day starts pretty early. Yeah. Um, you know, I get my daughters ready for school and make their uh, breakfast for them And then I get to the restaurant. I usually try to do no more than two restaurants a day uh, just so I can spend time with the chefs and spend time with the cooks. The biggest challenge for me at this point, um, when we had one restaurant and I could, you know, not physically but metaphorically touch all all of our cooks. And it's hard to take American cooks and explain to them the flavor profile of Middle Eastern food. Uh, explaining how to caramelize the vegetables and how to make mac and cheese in a pan, not in an oven, and how to um, you know, season the shawarma properly because the way you cut the food influences the way you eat it at the end. Like probably that's a conversation I've had three times this week is teaching a prep cook to think before he cuts lettuce mm-hmm. because the way you cut it, you have to think about... What we're going to do with it after you cut it, is it going to get cooked? Is it going to stay raw? And what's going to happen to somebody that puts it in his mouth? And what else goes on that bite with it? So it doesn't matter if it's lettuce or chicken or potatoes. We always have to think about what happens to the food after you cut it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I try to spend as much time as I can at this point with my cooks on the line and with my chefs. Um, on the chefs, mostly because I want him to be them to be able to train the cooks because I can't do it with all of them all day long. So I go in the morning. I work in one restaurant with one cook, uh, and then kind of during the lunch service, um, I work on my um, administrative stuff, talk to farmers, and things that require long term think long term thinking. We have a uh, purchasing uh, manager in the company. I work a lot with him um, because when we want to get enough tomatoes for us, I'm going to go back to the tomatoes because it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, so we had to talk to a farmer about tomatoes three months ago because we needed them to plant enough tomatoes for us. So right now I'm thinking about what we're going to use in the winter. and. Um, you know what we can get local, locally, and if we can get it locally, uh what we need to bring from the Middle East or from Israel, because all of our spices come from Israel. Our tahini comes from Israel. Our pickled cucumbers come from Israel. And every time we go, um we meet new vendors and we try to uh, create more products that will come from there. So that's a whole another operation to order something that's going to be here two months from now in a different season and how that's going to go on our menu. So that's what I do in the middle of the day. Um,
3: You go into your importer job.
2: Yes, the importer, (laughs) supply chain management, Uh running numbers, reports. And then in the afternoon, I go back to working with the cooks. Uh, And then in the evening, it's more working with the chefs and what they need to order to have all the food for their restaurants and their order guides uh, and their prep list for tomorrow and how they manage their kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very... It's a word I have to use, but i found myself use it a lot, like the food philosophy. Um, it's very important for me that my chefs will understand my food philosophy and my management philosophy um, because eventually I'm not going to be able to be there in all the restaurants and I want the restaurant to run as if I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they have their own freedom and they each have their own management style um, and they have the way they inspire their people. Um but I need to make sure that going to three restaurants, if you, if we've had this meal, but if we were uh, like to stop this meal in the, middle, in the middle, go to our Central Avenue location, which is 15 minutes away, and pick up the same meal, it will taste exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest challenge in my job right now.
3: And so you have a wife and three kids. Three Do daughters, you feel yeah. like you have work-life balance, or is that something that is sort of on the – Horizon. Uh, uh, it seems like you're <laughs> building a culture that could result in that, but that you have so many things to do every day.
2: Um, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a challenge to any chef you'd ever talk to. It's a challenge for them. Uh, I've gotten better, mm-hmm. actually. So when we had one restaurant and I was the chef of the restaurant, it was much harder because I'd, they'd be d- they were depending on me for everything. Yeah. Now, when because I can't be at all three restaurants every, all day every day, They have to know to get along without me. And that actually gives me more flexibility uh, because they already know what to do if I'm not there. So I don't have to be there. So I can prioritize my time. And at first I used to go to like all three restaurants every day. And then I used to go to one restaurant a day. And then I got to the point when I make myself a schedule (coughs) a week in advance. And I know where I'm going to be. It allows me to give kind of like a bird's eye look on the week. And I know, like, how much time did I spend with this chef? How much time did I spend with that chef? How much time did I spend in that restaurant? Uh, And it's something that, again, I've never thought. I wish I could cook more. That's what I wish I could cook more of my food. Um, But I don't because I do want to spend more time with the managers. And I do want to spend more time with my family. So right now, I do get to spend some time with my family. Like yesterday, I left the restaurant at 4.30 I had like um, my I had to take my daughters to meet their camp counselors, but then I went back on my computer at nine o'clock and worked till one, mm. to because I missed that mid part of the day of all the administrative stuff. And we're launching a whole new menu next week, and we had to work all the content for the team on the new product. So you know? you've gotten
3: a little flexibility, but the yes. load hasn't really changed that much. No, right?
2: I mean it is what it is. It's yeah. a, you know, it's a hospitality business. People. You know, we work when people, other people have fun. Right. That's our job. Like, we work on the weekends. We work at night. Uh, Yeah, three restaurants have given me more flexibilities, but it's never going to be like, I'm never going to work 40 hours a week. Right. It's it's not like (laughs) nine to five is not what I do. It's uh, nobody, I think you'd you'd fail in a restaurant if you'll try to work those hours. Yeah.
3: What's in your fridge at home?
2: Um, Homemade Nutella that my wife made (laughs) this week. Yum. It's I just opened this morning. Um, three pieces of uh, grilled corn from Sunday. <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, vegetable purees and yogurts, a lot of fruits, strawberries, raspberries, uh, not a lot of meat. Yeah, my, my fam- we're trying to cut on meat. That's not a lot meat, more well-rounded yeah. than what
3: a lot of chefs will say. Well, that's that because I have kids. <laughs> yeah. If you look at my
2: fridge three years ago, yeah. it would have Pasta from three days ago uh-huh. Probably the same s- like Grilled corn <laughs> and, uh, and some beer Yeah, I do have beer in my fridge at home But I got to keep it on the uh, upper shelf Because my daughters actually want to drink it
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, not ha- quite ready yet I have a question about something we were talking about earlier Which was food festivals And there's a food festival coming up in Greenville Euphoria that you're going to be doing A dinner at So you'll be one of the chefs doing uh, a signature dinner And you mentioned that um, you wanted to move away from doing the big tasting events at festivals to really doing the more marquee events, these dinners, and to show that you know you can do cu- cuisine that's quote unquote elevated. Why is that important to you to kind of for events like that for people to have a different perception of what Yafo food can be and sh- and should be in their minds?
2: I'm very competitive. <laughs> And I want, like any chef, like I want people to know that I can make really good food. And I don't want people to categorize us or box us in this category. Like, they do fast casual. They only make hummus and falafel and shawarma. Um, Yafo is my first fast casual. And I think the more people see that I can do finer dining. First, I mean, first, I used to work fine dining before that. So the more people could understand that we and it's not just me i usually take another chef with me or some of our team members um if they can other people can see what we could do as a yafo team maybe they'll have a better understanding of the work that goes into making the food that we make here because um, our lamb is a 12-hour braise and then we you know take the mirepoix and puree it and add it back in and if we would serve it in a full-service restaurant with some pasta it would have been an extraordinary dish but i feel like when people come here they tend to overlook it and you know oh it's just like a little bit of lamb in a bowl and i still have that chip on my shoulders like i always want to prove people that what we do here is so special uh, and so different that it's not just maybe i should take it back and i still have like not 100 percent agree with the (laughs) me like accomplishment Agreeing with myself for being a, a, a fast casual chef because I, I'm try, I try to, do, to be more than that. Mm-hmm. I try to do, and I don't think the food here is fast casual food. I think it's fine dining food that's served in a different way.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And what goes into developing, like, can you tell us anything that's kind of running through your head now for the Euphoria menu? Like, you're putting together five courses. What's the thought process there And where are you pulling that inspiration
2: So I'm doing a beef dish So when you do those dinners um, you d- you, you, There's five chefs uh, One of them is going to do desserts So there's four um, Appetizers were, are separate uh, pass um, And then three of them are going to do chicken dishes And I'm the only one that's doing a beef dish Oh wow um, So I haven't finalized it But I'm assuming because it's the beef dish It's going to be the one before the dessert Um and the first thing that people tell me, are like, oh, you should do a play on, like, an elevated skewer or some street food. And I said, I want to do something, like we talked, that's very different than that. So we're looking at some classic dishes that can allow us more refinement. Um, so maybe some sort of a play on, a, like, a baby of uh, Beef Wellington's uh Or maybe something that we'll look into... Like, Last thing I want to do is a short rib. You yeah. know, everybody does a short rib, yeah. so <laughs> you know. Um, so we're looking at different things, and I'm working with the uh, certified Angus beef people. So they're sending me next week a case of beef belly. So I'm like, oh, everybody does pork like pork belly and lamb belly, so I'm like I've never had a beef belly. Uh, so I'm gonna play with some beef bellies and see what we can do with that. So it's not finalized yet, but we're really trying to put something that's, you know, thinking out of the box and. Taking something that's more elevated, but not street food.
1: Okay, so another thing we talked about over lunch was that you have a lot of experience with uh, paratrooping and jumping out of planes and skydiving. And we don't have time to get all into that, although it's a fascinating part of your life. But you had to take away of something that you apply from advice about skydiving to the kitchen and can you talk about that and how that informs like your philosophy in mentoring staff
2: yeah so because i was in the military for seven years um several wars wars probably dozens of operations my perspective is a little different than a lot of our employees so i don't get upset as fast and i don't um it's not that I don't take things seriously, but I have a different perspective on things and I see a lot of our staff that are a lot of they're, they're either frustrated or walking around uh, angry and when you jump on an airplane they, one of the first thing they teach you is to smile because when you smile your body releases uh, chemicals that soften the muscles and it's actually better for you and it's something that I took. Um, as some it's like a mantra for my life. In your most stressful situations, which like jumping out of an airplane that's perfectly perfectly good <laughs> and functioning <laughs> and falling like from twelve thousand feet in two hundred miles an hour, like in the most stressful situation you can be, just smile. Um, and for example, this morning I had a line cook that was behind on his production, and. You know, he was like two minutes behind and we opened the restaurant and he was missing something on the line. And he was frustrated for like an hour later. And I said, hey, I get it. You messed up. Smile now. Let's go through service. And after service, we can sit down and talk about it and figure where did we fail and how we can make it better and how we can make sure we don't fail next time. And I think that's a big part of my military career because in the military there's no blaming there's no like i've worked with a lot of chefs if you made a mistake they'll ride your ass the whole service i don't know if it's a pg uh, podcast or not you're okay (laughs) so but for me i don't believe in like pointing fingers or like blaming someone for messing up i was like okay we all make mistakes now how do we make sure we don't make it again Mm -hmm. and for me, smiling in the most stressful, stressful situations has worked great, and I've learned that it creates a better environment, work environment, and it also calms down everybody else around you. Because if you're frustrated and you're like really angry during service, then your front a half staff is going to feel it, and they're going to be service, they're going to be um, frustrated and angry, and eventually that's going to affect your guest experience. So, smile all the time.
3: I think that's an awesome takeaway. Yeah. And uh, I, I can confidently say every time we see you, you brighten our day and make us thank smile. You. And thank you so much for uh, one for sitting down with us and sharing incredible stories. Sometime we're going to do like the deep dive into the, the dive, get it <laughs> uh, <laughs> into your uh, kind of whole life story. And, and uh, we had a really amazing conversation about jumping out of airplanes, mm. um, but really your place and your food and everything that you're doing here just makes us happy and we can also see from all the people around us that we're not alone in that and really thank you for everything that you do you're awesome
2: thank you and i'm always happy to see you if you come to restaurants or we see each other in uh, food festivals that we talked about and i'm always looking forward to seeing you guys so thank you
3: well hopefully see you again on the road soon um we are uh, stepping up our coverage with HRN on tour, so we'll be in lots of cities near you. Uh, but this has been awesome. We are um, sad to go to the airport, but glad to go with stomachs full of Yafo Kitchen. So. And last thing, we want to thank uh,
1: Charlotte's Got A Lot for making this whole trip to Charlotte possible, to the International Symposium on Bread, to our Chef Round Table, and grand finale at Yafo Kitchen with Shai. It's
3: been awesome. Thanks to Charlotte's Got A Lot, and uh, thank you for listening.